0: Lovers not fighters, Ad Namvert, Chris Cody. That's right, folks. Welcome back. Cinephile continues, Cinephile endures the resilience of Cinephile, and of course, thanks to all of you for your support along the way. My name is Adnan Virk, 175 episodes we have knocked out of Cinephile, 78 at ESPN, thanks to Pete Genesini, Dan Stanzik, Rick Passmore, Claire Atkins, all those who are responsible for this passion project, and then of course to Keynes13, and to Chris Corcoran, and Joseph Engelbrecht, and Sean Cherry, and the entire crew, thanks for letting me do that. And now the thank yous to John Skipper and Dan Lebitard for saying, you know what, we want Cinephile to be a part of Metal Ark, and I said, Dan, I I don't know, like you're doing a bunch of other stuff, and I'm under contract, and he goes, we're getting it done. When Levitard believes in you, when Levitard says to get it done, and him and Skipper together, things get done. So I'm thrilled to be here. I'm thrilled that we continue here on Cinephile. Um, this entire crew knows what a fan I am of the Levitard show and their universe. They're so funny and irreverent and different and quirky. And so when they said in terms of producing, I said as long as it's a member of that crew, I'll be thrilled. And so when they didn't give me my first choice of Billy, they gave me Chris Cody, and I was thrilled to get my second tr- <laughs> I'm kidding. No, I said give me whoever you want. I don't care. As long as it's one of them. And they said, Cody's your guy. I said, great.
1: I'm just excited to see how many episodes we're going to do before you are tired of me for my lack of movie knowledge. Cause no it, way, no it, way. The, the amount of movies that I haven't seen will impress you. We don't have to get to it now. We have a lot of time. I'm just saying it's it's an impressive list.
0: But that is an important point because people would often ask me, that, okay, how'd you get Cody? I'm like, well, I love the show and Cody's funny and he's great and I don't care about his movie knowledge. Like anybody who thinks there was some sort of interview process, I'm like, all right, Chris, <laughs> can you please name for me Al Pacino's first seven films? I'm like, no, no I, I don't think I can do that. I mean. like, that's fine, Cody. Your job here is to have fun. Crack jokes. You're the everyman, right? There you That's go. What, That's don't it. feel any pressure.
1: I've never seen um, Raging Bull.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll count the number of times Chris will offend me with things that he doesn't see. I'm like, what? How does that happen? How are you with me? Let's dive in, though. So listen, for those who are unaware, because listen, Chris and I are hoping the Levitard universe will be a part of this experience. So this is what Cinephile is. I review movies, and then we have guests, and then we do fun segments. We talk entertainment news, and that's really what this is. And you say, what about TV shows? Well, it's not called Mr. TV Show. It is Cinephile. It's Lover of Film, which is the translation. But hey, today we're doing HBO Limited series, Mayor of Easttown, because I was watching that with my wife, and Kate Winslet's a movie star. So yeah, we talk movies, we talk TV, we'll talk everything. Um, in terms of the uh, where we are available you can always tweet me adnan s there's also cinephile pod and i believe cody is going to use the social media largesse of levitard show i don't know cody if we're going to have a cinephile on instagram but I'm, i'm putting that out there to you now i don't know if you want to do that but go ahead
1: subscribe to this podcast help us out we are trying to climb rankings we are trying to take out all the other laf properties I see you mystery crate. I see you stupidity. Hey, Brockmire, you think you got a cool podcast? No, 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 no. Please help us out. Subscribe, unsubscribe, resubscribe. We are trying to climb the rankings. That is always the key. When people say,
0: what is the secret? I'm like, listen, I don't know. Chris and Billy and Mike Ryan and Roy have all figured this out, but I think it's that. I think it's subscribe, unsubscribe, resubscribe, tell your friends, bribe, gamble, bet, whatever you need to do. Okay, just course and get it done. Um, I want to do some quick thoughts on the Oscars, because the the, the timing of this worked was, to be perfectly transparent, Levitard called me and then goes, we need you over here. And I said, okay, uh, let's do this. And I'm like, and we just, it happened maybe a lot quicker than we realized. And then all of a sudden, in fairness to Cadence 13, it's like, okay, if you want to balance, like that's, that's fine. But it's just like, we're done. We're not going to – imagine you're leaving one girl for another girl. I'm like, hey, can we just go on a few more dates? And I'm going to go <laughs> – no, no, like, we're done now. Like, if you please want leave. out, please totally please cool, leave. all good. And to be clear, I'm still working for Cadence 13. I have an NFL podcast called The GM Shuffle, me and Michael Lombardi. You can also subscribe, resubscribe, unsubscribe, write, review. So <laughs> I'm working for Cadence. We have an NFL pod. You want to take your cinephile thing, go over to Levertor, all good but now we're done. So the amount of people were like, wait, you stopped literally the week before the Oscars. So I need your Oscars recap. So this feels a little dated, but we'll do a very quick Oscars recap because I just, I just
1: imagine that you talk about the Oscars every day. It doesn't matter whether it's like a couple months ago, whether this is the first podcast we've done in a while. Like you just talk about the Oscars.
0: It's a great point, Cody. Like when I see people at work, I haven't (laughs) seen in a while. That's their first thing. Like, Hey, so Anthony Hopkins, I'm like, this was like five weeks ago. Like, (sighs) but I haven't seen you since then. I'm like, okay, fine. I'll give you my opinions of it. So I'm thrilled they happened. Just to have the Oscars again, it's one of my favorite days of the year. felt normal. Yeah, exactly. I I loved um, the music from Questlove. I loved that first tracking shot, Regina King. I love Regina King. Soderbergh, trying to give it a little bit of glitz and glamour. But obviously we all know what the downsides were. It looked like a luncheon. It didn't have the usual glitz and glamor. They, they needed a lot more clips of the movies. That's my biggest thing, Cody. When you watch the Oscars, you know, people have seen two movies, three movies, whatever. They're not like me, they haven't seen everything. So when they see a clip of Sound they go, it looks pretty good. No, I, all they saw was Riz Ahmed, very handsome fellow Pakistani that he is in the crowd sitting there. I'm like, all right, well, yeah. when you were watching these movies, Anthony Hopkins, I'm telling you right now, the father, for those who have not seen it, the last scene of the movie is his Oscar clip scene. If you just watch that scene and you go, oh, my God, that guy's winning an Oscar. And he did. So I missed the clips of the actual movies.
1: I get the producers wanting to tighten the show up, but I do agree with you, especially for the big awards. You got to show the clips.
0: Sound effects, editing, fine. No clips, I right. totally get it. But for best actor, acting of is going to do it. It reminds me of what my buddy Russilla once said about time in terms of baseball, which is one of my other passions. He said, you know, this whole pace of play stuff, let's be up the game. All right, so games are three hours and seven minutes. Yeah, he goes, if it was two hours and 30 with like half of America, you know what? We're not on baseball now. It's a lot faster. <laughs> I'm in on it now. I'm like, no, no, like either you love the game or you don't. Either you yes. appreciate the leisurely pace or you don't. Could we speed up the game a little bit? Yes, I completely agree. I'm tired of this 30 seconds in between pitches. I'm all in favor of that. But similarly for the Oscars, if you said, okay, let's make it a tight 210. Well, that doesn't mean 50 million people are going to watch it. The movie (laughs) people are going to watch it regardless. We don't need four hours, but I totally get it. Anyways, I liked the production. As far as the awards, I was thrilled. Sound of Metal won a couple awards. As everyone knows, that was my favorite movie last year. I was thrilled that they won for Best Editing. I was thrilled they won for Best Sound. The big shock of the night was, of course, Anthony Hopkins. And Listen, credit to the producers for mixing things up. Normally, you start with Supporting actors, Supporting Actress. They went in a different direction. Normally, you end with Best Picture. They went ending with Best Actor. And everyone could see a mile away what they were doing. Oh, I get it. So, Nomadland's going to win. So, we'll just give Best Picture the third last category, which it did win. We'll give Best Actress, which was a great race. I said, I thought it was going to be Viola Davis, potentially. I mean, it could have been Carrie Mulligan, ended up being Frances McDormand. Um, Listen, all those women were very much worthy. McDormand wins, by the way, when they won... (laughs) her best picture she did the wolf yell which is one of the great moments of the night as they cut to her director husband Joel Cohn who just gives a typical bemused look on his face that's my wife just doing a wolf <laughs> yell that's right and then she of course wins best actress which was a bit of a surprise she did win the BAFTA which is the British acting award and then you get to best actor and you go oh okay so they're rigging this Bozeman's gonna win he's won every single award we all know that and he's gonna win it'll be a nice moment Hey, up top, Chadwick, we love you. And then all of a sudden, we have Joaquin Phoenix, who is nothing if not awkward in moments like this, saying, the winner is Anthony Hopkins. You're like, what? Like, (laughs) stunning mic drop. Like, one of the great mic drop moments in the last few years of Oscars. And where's Anthony Hopkins? He's in Wales. He's asleep, actually, because he said to the Oscars, can I give a clip of myself? And they said, no, you have to be here in person. He goes, okay, like, tough luck then. So, we are deprived. Like he would have stayed up. The guy's eighty. Like I'll stay up. Okay, that's fine. I'll stay up till four a.m. No problem. If I might win, I'll stay up. No, no. But if I can't just do the clip, I'm out of here. So instead, you have what Kane Phoenix awkwardly looking and just going, "Yeah, that's it." So Anthony Hopkins wins. Like what? How much of a shock was it? Again, the Golden Globe was not won by Anthony Hopkins. The Screen Actors Guild Award was not won by Anthony Hopkins. The SAG Award, not won by Anthony Hopkins. The only giveaway was the BAFTAs, the British Academy Awards. So the the BAFTAs actually called it Hopkins and McDormand, which could have easily been explained away by the fact he's Welsh, the Brits want to support the Brits. Okay, the Oscars will know differently. It was a huge shock. I get that the producers, Cody, have a little bit of egg on their face because they're going for this emotional moment, but I'm okay with it. It had people
1: talking. It was different. I had no issue with it. This was over a month ago now, the Oscars, and the only thing I honestly remember from it was oh, Glenn, Glenn Close, Close dancing. I
0: was about to say, so <laughs> I, I was getting to that. Sorry. So Glenn Close, as I had said previously, the worst nomination of literally any category. She's up for Best Actress for Hillbilly Algae, which is a farce of a movie. It's a great book. My friend Anise Schroff recommended it to me. It's excellent. It shows a Farce. different side of life. Good word. Yeah. I went in that moment when she started doing the da butt dance. I went from, okay, it was the worst nomination to the best nomination. Quite frankly, exactly. Glenn Close should have won an Oscar because the butt dance was his single best one of the Oscars. She has a great sense of humor. She's awesome in every way. She's self effacing I take back everything bad I said about Hillbilly LG. Wow, Glenn Close is the best. Glenn Close for president. Yeah, Glenn Close should win every Oscar. Done. Let's talk about some movies, okay? Great news is this, and we've got some entertainment news coming up. I'll tell you specifically about the box office, but 70% of movie theaters are now open in America. So I know you have this excuse all the time. Uh, you know, the movie theater's not open. I'd love to go support film. You can go now, okay? 70% of this country, you got your mask on, socially distance. it's great. I went and saw A Quiet Place 2 this weekend, as we all know, I'm normally at the movies, I mean, listen, pre-family, I'm going once or twice a week, now with the kids, every other week, whatever it is, I'll find stuff to stream, etc.
1: Paint the picture for me, though. Are we, like, a, a yeah. you in a movie, are you going alone? Are you, Where do you sit in the theater? I need to paint this whole picture Well, this is for the thing,
0: pre-COVID, you know, I'm going uh, generally by myself, matinee movies, right? I work at nights, so it's easy to go, I sit generally in the middle, nothing crazy about it. I love Milk Duds, I'm trying to slim down, I'm okay. trying to lose weight for the last 20 years, this still can't, this is not happening. But so you're saying, when you
1: say middle, are you saying you go middle row, and? then you walk to the middle of that yeah. row or are you an if, end guy
0: no if i could i'll be dead middle although if there's a lot of people in there i like to go end so if it's literally four people i go middle middle right. if it as it was for a quiet place part two like 60 percent full i just quickly grab an end as you know i'll quickly get out i don't want to be around people good to go
1: if there's only if there's under five people in the theater what's the closest you'll get to somebody in terms of what row you're in compared to what <laughs> row they're in
0: well the best would be if so let's suppose it's A to Q. And uh, whatever the middle of that is, you know, L, let's say, yeah. so L-12 is in the middle. Okay. If there's five people in the theater and one guy was L-13, yeah. it'd be incredible if I sat at L-12. Right. And three other people are sitting elsewhere like, oh my oh. God, like this, like, like, how how quickly does he get up? How uncomfortable, how palpable is that emotion?
1: If someone sits too close to me, I'm just getting up and I'm, there's no shame. It's dark in here. You're probably not going to even see where I go. I'm just walking through rows behind you and I'm sitting. Yeah, you'll bypass there. the dirty look as well.
0: There's no, there's no need for that. <laughs> So, you know, like I said, pre-COVID, I'm there all the time. Um, as COVID hits, I said to my wife, I got to go to the movie. She's like, what? I'm like, yeah, this pandemic is hitting. They're going to shut down movie theaters. The last movie I saw before the pandemic was The Way Back. Pretty good Ben Affleck movie. At that point, it was five months without seeing a movie. It's the longest since I was, uh, I don't know, six years old. The film itself, A Quiet Place, I loved the first one. The reason why is I'm not particularly into action movies, horror movies. It's interesting. Cody comes to this Levitar group, which they love their action movies, which I'm not a part of. And Cody, why he said to me, "Hey, listen, I'm not big into that stuff either." I'm like, "Okay, good." So we're not going to be doing Demolition Man every week. They love that yeah, shit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, we will get Mike and Billy on here to talk uh, Demolition Man another time. Yeah. Um, but but when I watched this film, I said, "Okay, horror thriller, not necessarily my genre," but it was expertly done. I loved the direction from John Krasinski, and I thought it had a lot of heart. Uh, for those who have not seen A Quiet Place, what it is, is when you speak, these aliens attack, basically. So everything is based upon oral, A-U-R-A-L, not oral, O-A-R-A-L, um, emotion. So you literally can't speak. If you talk, you die. That's it. The aliens That's come That's
1: crazy.
0: <laughs> yeah. So like, like communication all. So think about this. We're going to make a movie which nobody talks. Okay, so it's a silent film? Like, pretty much. It's just going to be all action and just nonverbal communication. Like, okay, great. That's a pretty tough, steep curve there for John Krasinski to pull off. And That's why, why it's to called A it. Quiet
1: Place, I see.
0: Exactly, now the title makes (laughs) sense. So I appreciate what he was able to do with the first one, and like I said, there's actual thrills, but I thought there was emotion behind it and depth. Hey, spoiler alert! Now the sequel opens, we have this elaborate action sequence, which goes back to day one, which is when the aliens first attacked. And it's this remarkably constructed sequence. I mean, it's it's beautifully choreographed. It's well shot. To me, very much immediately, I said, this feels like a Michael Bay movie. And of course, Michael Bay is one of the producers. Michael Bay, I'm not crazy about it. I said, okay, this is what this is going to be, just a big action movie. But Krasinski then slows things down after that first five to ten minutes attention, gotcha, action sequence, throwing everything with the kitchen sink at you. Then it slows down to the more quiet storytelling that the first one was. So the synopsis is this. Following the events at home, the Abbott family now face the terrors of the outside world. Forced to venture into the unknown, they realize the creatures that hunt by sound are not the only threats lurking beyond the sand path. <laughs> There's more. Once again, it's really well directed by John Krasinski. I enjoyed the first one a lot more, but this falls prey to the main issue when it comes to sequels, which is, is this necessary? <laughs> and oftentimes, while watching the film, as much as I appreciate the skill and care with which it was made, a couple of excellent sequences, which were violent and shocking, A lot of it felt repurposed and recycled. And I could not get over the main issue, which is, was this sequel necessary? And the answer is, unfortunately, not really. Did Mm. I still enjoy myself with the movies? Sure. Did I still think it was well done? Absolutely. Do I recommend people to go see the film? Yes. Yes which is why I'm giving it Three Maple Leafs, because it is a really well-made genre film. But if you've seen Alien, if you've seen Aliens, you can definitely see callbacks to those movies. If you like the first one, I don't think you'll love the second one. As Jeffrey M. Anderson put it of Common Sense Media, it's not perfect, but this admirable horror sequel, impeccably, skillfully directed by John Krasinski, operates with meticulous use of sound and editing. Uh, Jeanette Katsoulis of the New York Times as well says the sequel to John Krasinski's alien invasion blockbuster is brasher, louder and less focused than its predecessor. Again, three great beliefs, but I wasn't crazy about it.
1: I want to get back to you saying John Krasinski really crushed this as the director. Because I read some reviews for this and everyone seemed to say that. And I'm wondering, how is like somebody a good director? Like what what things are you watching in the film that that's that's not the editing, that's not the writing, that's the directing?
0: Yeah, I think all of it comes together. Like, I think he has to be the orchestrator of it all. You know what I mean? Like, it's it's, uh, like a conductor in a music orchestra. Like, there's all these different people playing their instruments, but the director is lording over it all. So I think what he has is really command of the medium, which may sound esoteric, but what it means is just that he's aware of what he's trying to convey in the moment. So this is a action movie, a thriller, a horror film, etc. I feel like every beat is being played at the right moment. I don't think he's rushing along his storytelling. I think that he is being true to the genre. You need to have genre thrills. You need to have moments where you're, you know, call them jump scares or someone grabs your forearm like, oh my god. You need to have those moments, but not the expense of proper storytelling. I think sometimes actors, when they become directors, they go a little too loud, a little too noisy, as that first sequence is, and then that's the whole film. Or it's a little bit too artistic, perhaps, and they're not trying to have that balance of chills and thrills. So I just thought he had a real command of the uh, the material.
2: Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about, but why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.
0: All right, next up, as I mentioned, we do do a little bit of TV as well here. How about an HBO limited series, Mayor of Easttown? Synopsis is this. A detective in a small Pennsylvania town investigates a local murder while trying to keep her life from falling apart. Brad Inglesby is the creator and writer, the director is Craig Zobel, and it stars Kate Winslet. So I'm a huge HBO fan. The Sopranos is my favorite dramatic show. The Larry Sanders show, my favorite comedy show. I love Oz. Um, you know, I, I generally think HBO always does a high quality product. So, generally speaking, I'm not big into watching a whole lot of TV, but it's nice to spend a little time with a wife. Hey, you want to watch a little Kate Winslet show? Sure. It's HBO limited series, seven episodes. Curl up on the couch on a Sunday night. Why not? And uh, I thought it was a a good show, as you can sense my apprehension. What What I liked about it is this. It's rare that you get stories about female detectives. I think Kate Winslet's a great actress. She's dealing with a personal tragedy in it, which I think is rendered quite effectively. But ultimately... The story is about this local murder. I don't think that that was compelling enough to hold the entire story together. Now, I think what happens is this: when you're looking at a who done it, ultimately it has to be about a why done it and a how done it. So, you know, you start the movie with okay, this murder happens, which is horrible, and these people are inconsolable. How can they overcome that? But of course, it's more than just the plot. It's more about finding out who did it. It's caring about the characters along the way. So I think what they did an admirable job of doing was establishing reasons to care about the characters, particularly Winslet's character, Mare Sheehan, who, as I said, has endured a personal tragedy, which is why she's this damaged person who is now intent on finding the killer. Gene uh, Smart also shows up in a supporting role as well. And then you get the other characters as well. I didn't think the supporting cast was as well-drawn as the lead character. I think Mare of Easttown is a great showcase for Kate Winslet and what she does well, why she's as good an actress as exists. But I, I don't think as, a, as an entire seven-episode series, it kept my attention the entire time. At times, I thought it lingered. It felt a little bit belabored. But again, what I appreciate though is it felt very Pennsylvania. Like at one point, my wife said it feels very Boston. I said, "Well, Pennsylvania. That part of Pennsylvania can be kind of Boston. That's very insular. It's very much about that world." Kate wins did a story, but how to get the accent down, which is really really tough, a Pennsylvania accent. I mean, they got their Wawas everywhere. Guy shows up in a flyer. Wawa shop, overrated. Yeah, wa- yeah. Let's get into Wawas for a second because Kevin Gandhi loves it. People love it, Philly. I- I think I've been once or twice. I'm like, it was fine. There's was a couple good sandwiches. The sandwiches, sandwiches aren't you know, that great. Yeah, it's a gas station with some sandwiches. I mean, the way that people talk about it, Cody, I'm with you. I mean, they, they go nuts. Like, it's like it's like it's Tim Hortons for me. I'm like It's not the same thing.
1: Is it possible, back to Kate Winslet, that she's too good of an actress? And I say that half-jokingly because it seems like a lot of Kate Winslet's roles, she's like amazing in it, but the movie ends up being like, yeah, that movie was fine. Is it possible that she is too good, Adnan. That's a good question for the first podcast.
0: Yeah, I don't know if she's too good. I think that at times maybe the material isn't as strong as her. So I don't want to say the material's beneath her because I'm sure on the page it reads a certain way. But she just lifts to such a different level. Listen, she won an Oscar for a film called The Reader. Yeah. I have read the book. The movie was fairly generic. But she was exceptional. She'd never won before. Okay, fine. Let's give her an Oscar. She's also not vain. There's one scene in which she said, you know, she put a little bit of weight for the movie. She's like, yeah, I told them don't try to take out my gut. Anyway, a little bit of flab. That was a story on uprocks.com. She was, oh, she's very unglamorous. She's been naked in other movies. In this movie, she's not nude, but she's, you know, a little bit bigger. And she, she wants said, no, you to draw
1: draw her like one of her French girls.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. She doesn't care, man. Let's That's a Titanic reference. I love it. Uh, <laughs> Matthew Gilbert as well. The acting by Winslet and the strong ensemble around her is compelling enough to make it all feel more tragic than soapy, more complex than overcooked. Uh, that is my review of Mayor of Easttown. I'll give it two and a half maple leaves.
1: I want to know the movie that just jumps out in your mind. This movie, more than any other that I've ever seen, was a surprising, shocking ending to
0: me. The usual Suspects in the Sixth Sense. I would say those two right out of the gate. I, I did not think... I see dead people will result in that, and I did not see Kaiser Soze coming.
1: Sixth Sense is a great one. I have not seen Usual Suspects.
0: Add it to the list. (laughs) Along with Raging Bull. We're going to do a running list of movies that I want Cody to see. We have two so far, Raging Bull, The Usual Suspects.
1: We'll get more and more of those
0: on the list. Let's get into a little bit of late-night television. I know Cody's seen some late-night TV. This I different. saw.
1: This I watched. So the story of
0: late-night, I'll be honest. First few episodes, Cody, I'm like, okay, listen. I know about Carson. I get Jack Parr. Let's get to the good stuff. So See, if you I, see, wanna...
1: see as maybe I'm a little younger than you, I found that incredibly interesting because I had— I had heard about... Obviously, I knew Johnny Carson, but I didn't really know much about Parr, and it was just... I found those two, actually. I learned a lot in those ones.
0: Oh, there you go. Okay, so to what Cody's saying, the first couple episodes more about those guys, which, again, if you like the history of late night, find that interesting. Great. So this is different than in the past. You know, I remember... At 11.35, growing up in Eastern Ontario, I would watch The Tonight Show with Jay Leno, and then I would watch the Late Show with David Letterman, and I'd see who the better guests were, and I'd compare and contrast notes, and I'd watch a little Conan when I could stay up late. I just loved the concept of late night television, and particularly Dave was my guy. Now. I like all of them for different reasons, though. Like, I'm not one of these guys who just bashes Jay. I think he's incredibly likable. I think he had a real connection to Midwest America, even though he's a Boston guy. I thought the fact he was number one for, like, 17 straight years is pretty remarkable, considering everybody in comedy goes, oh, Letterman's way funnier, Letterman's way smarter. I'm like, yeah, well, well, Leonard was still king for all those years. And what's interesting is, and Bill Carter's done an amazing job with his books. Um, The Late Shift is one of them. He also wrote another book called The War for Late and I have both of them. They're both exceptional books. What he proves more than anything is this. Letterman's more brilliant, he's smarter, he's funnier, certainly more influential. If you ask Kimmel, Colbert, all these guys, they all revere Dave. But Leno, just a better dude. Like when they'd have affiliate meetings, Jay would be the guy shaking hands to everybody. Hey, we need you to do a, a, a voiceover for Wyoming. No problem. NBC affiliates. Letterman's the guy giving the finger going like, no, nah, I don't want to do that. I don't care. Hey, he just shakes some hands of executives, like, no. Where's Jay? And I don't think this is ass kissing. I think it's just being a good guy. And Debbie Vickers, who's in the documentary, says there's never a bad thing to say about Jay. We'll get into the Conan stuff in a second. But as far as a guy, like if you meet Jay Leno... He's a nice guy, very uh, uncomplicated. What was great about the books were Letterman comes across as this great, complicated figure. He's a guy, he's literally Crusty the Clown, I believe was based on him. The Simpsons have never confirmed that, but that's believed to be the case. On air, he's crazy, funny, wacky, off air, terminally depressed, very, very sad, lots of repressed emotions. Jay Leno is exactly what you get. He just likes telling jokes and working on his cars. He takes no vacations. He never spent any of the Tonight Show money. Every weekend, he'd go to Vegas and play some clubs. He never spent his Tonight Show money. He just made the money off the comic stuff. There's a great story in there. His wife said he begs him, Mavis, 20-plus years, let's go on vacation. They go to the beach, and (laughs) Leno said, like, by noon, he was ready to go home. Like, he just sat there, (laughs) just staring at the water, it's like... Yeah, no, not for me. Like, I just, I just like telling jokes. So he's very uncomplicated, which I like about Jay, and also very self-effacing. To be clear, I think Letterman's the smarter one, the funnier one. If I have a choice right now, obviously Dave is my guy.
1: My biggest takeaway was similar to yours of just, Jay seemed really nice Everyone seemed to like Dave Letterman. I don't really like I felt I was fi- I was feeling bad for Jay Leno a little bit cuz it seems like you're just, he seems like a team player, such a nice guy. He was uh, Johnny Carson's fill-in for years without ever trying to like pressure and then it was just Dave Letterman while the more talented one w- seemed like a little bit of a jerk.
0: <laughs> so, I don't
1: want to out anybody
0: cuz I should have checked on them first. But I have a buddy who used to work on Letterman and he said that um to, to, to Cody's point, and I don't know anybody specifically who's worked on Leno, but we can quickly do a Google search. People say, yeah, if you worked with Jay's show, you'd meet Jay, whatever, hang out, have questions, whatever. <laughs> Letterman, you literally had to clear the hallway when he was coming. Like, there's almost like a walkie-tie, that like Dave's coming. You, you can't be in the hallway when he's coming down the stairs. Uh, don't look at him. Don't speak to him. Don't approach him. This is show staff, to be clear.
1: That's interesting to hear that with some of the stuff, the allegations that came later in Dave's career. So it seemed mm-hmm. like not everybody had to avoid eye contact. <laughs> <laughs> Did have some affairs with female staffers. <laughs> I'm
0: sorry. There am literally have a party once a year, and that was like the only time you saw Dave, and like, it's not like he was glad-handing and like handing out gifts. I think at that party, he was there for maybe 10 minutes, probably shook your hand, thanks for your work, thanks for your and that's it, he's bouncing. Otherwise, like, you get to stay away from this guy, whereas, you know, Leno's just one of the people. So, uh, what, what's interesting for me is just reliving what happened in 92. Carson's the king of late night, he moves on. Dave's been doing late night for years, Dave thinks he's gonna be the guy. No, Jay's been the villain, he's a good dude, we're going with Jay. Okay, fine, Letterman goes to CBS. Now it's a real war for late night. Dave is great at CBS. He's so funny. He finally gets some love. And it's like, all right, man. Hey, I I worked all those years in late night. And by the way, late night with David Letterman, incredible. Like that 1230 show, they took so many chances. They're throwing watermelon off of balconies. Uh, Cher, he's being offended. Like, I mean, that show was so clever and so risky. You weren't sure if he was going to work at 1130. But sure enough, he goes over to CBS. Maybe it's a little more sanitized, a little more tampered down. But Dave's winning. Dave's bashing in Jay. All right, fine. NBC, screw you. And what changes it all? Back to the undoing, but Hugh Grant. That was crazy. That was interesting. Hugh Grant looking for a BJ is what changes everything. Divine Brown. And for those who aren't aware of the story, Leno had called him and said, You got to come on the show, and we got to address it, and then it'll be over. And you've heard this before in life that whatever mistake happens, publicity scandal, you hit it head on, America loves to forgive, and that's it. So Hugh Grant comes on, and th- this was the tipping point of Leno Letterman. Jay looks him first and goes, so what the, hell were- what the hell were you thinking? And boom, huge laugh, huge crowd. Hugh Grant gets his way through it. That night, Jay gets a huge audience, 50 million people, and then never lost to Letterman again, like just trounced him. I, I want to say, the documentary didn't say this. I feel like there's a few times Dave did beat him, but not often. I'd have to check the numbers. I think it was like literally an eight-year stretch, Leno beat him. One or two nights, Dave might have won. But then again, Jay was just romping the whole wow. way. And again... You don't have to be a ratings winner to win. As we all know, I love the films that don't make the most money, okay? I'm not telling you Michael Bay, Pearl Harbor is better than The Shawshank Redemption. So I'm not saying you should equate greatness with numbers. But back to me and Cody, the amount of bashing that Leno gets, I'm like, hey, man, the guy was number one for a lot of years. And then we get to, oh, we went the Letterman Scandal, the I want to go into Conan. So the Letterman Scandal, you know, famously, he slept with a lot of women, rather than hide from it, on the air, tells the story of extortion. And I'm like, <laughs> wow, like... Took a hit definitely from women who were like, wow, like you're a pig. Like you had sex with women and took advantage of them. But at the same time, he addressed it in such a skillful manner. such a great broadcast. She's like, wow. He showed humor restraint. And then he uses that scandal for humor the next two months. They yeah. didn't show this in the documentary. Some of his best jokes, I remember, was after the scandal. At on one himself. Because right. it, it it, it's so cold in New York City outside of my house, it's even colder inside my house. Like, It, it was great. He, right. he kept using material out of it. I'm like, man, this guy is a, a legitimately brilliant broadcaster, the way he handled that. So, hey, everybody, you have a public scandal in life? Just... Head on, you're good to go.
1: I also, I found a, I saw similarities between the way Letterman was playing everything and the way Dan played everything, and like the way he has had his, in the recent months of Dan Levitard's career, it was similar (laughs) of kind of like, I realized I got people here, like I got an audience that likes me, so I can kind of get away with stuff, and it it worked out similarly for both of them, because Dave ended up leaving NBC.
0: Right, and you guys guys are crushing with (laughs) DraftKings, and Metal (laughs) Ark's a huge success, so everything works out. So then we get to Conan, which has got to be one of the craziest things ever. So Leno's killing it. Conan's killing it. And all of a sudden, Conan might go to Fox. NBC wants to keep both. All right, we'll tell Jay here's a five-year succession plan. At that point, you'll have done the Tonight Show for 17 years. You'll be 59 years old. It's been a good run. Conan will take over. It's still surreal watching that clip of Jay saying, all right, like I'm a team. Again, Cody's point, team player. Like, okay, fine. Yeah. That's what you guys want me to do. Hey, Conan, we'll see you in five years. It's the most ridiculous thing ever. Like, imagine if tomorrow, Trevor Noah said, hey, in five years, Samantha is going to do in the Daily Show. Like, yeah. what? Like, you know how much life changes in the last five years? Like, how could you even do that? But harebrained idea? Hey, we'll keep Conan. And for Conan, of course, any comedian, The Tonight Show is The Tonight Show. I don't care how much money Fox has given me. Like, bro, if it's The Tonight Show, I'm staying. So they do the five years. All of a sudden, NBC's numbers in the toilet... And Jay's still number one. He's still killing it. And he never wanted to leave anyways. You're kicking me out to yeah. give Conan some love. Well, how about you do a show at 10 o'clock? What? The Jay Leno Show, which Entertainment Weekly said is one of the biggest bombs in the history of television. Because, because it so they're... different?
1: I don't understand that. I like, I know that's what they said, and but just like, why does it make that big a difference? That that hour.
0: Yeah, why would it matter if it's at ten or eleven thirty-five? But yeah. it, nobody's watching. They're getting killed by whatever CSI, whatever else was on at that time. <laughs> and now you got a real problem. You go, okay? And Conan's not doing great either. That's where the doc was a bit misleading. They made it sound like he was crushing it. I remember at the time, dude, Conan was not doing well. The numbers were not great. He wasn't particularly funny. You couldn't do the masturbating bear on the Tonight Show. You couldn't do try <laughs> off the insult comic dog the way you wanted to do it. I'm like, mm, it's not the same, dude. So so NBC is like, okay, Conan's not doing great. We're getting smoked here. Let's just put Jay back there. And that's where, of course, the big point of contention becomes. So for Conan, and I totally get his point. Wait a second. I've done this show for how many years? You've me five years. Now I'm doing it. Hey, it takes time. I've been doing this for a few months. I think I'm getting better. Give me some time, and I will get better. Jay got better. Dave got better. Colbert got better. Uh, I need some time. Sorry. it's it. How about this? We'll have Jay go 11.35 to 12.05, and then you do 12.05 to 12.35. So that that way, you know, you guys are both in the night show. And that's where Colin goes, this is the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life. And he gives his mission statement and says, hey, if I'm not doing 11.35 tonight, show, I'm out of here. And then he was never at his funniest from that point on because now he starts making fun of the situation. And I remember his monologue, one joke he said, he goes, you know, America has taught me you can be anything in life as long as you put your mind to it. Pause. Unless Jay Leno wants to do it, too. Like, he he got so much mileage out of those jokes. And now Kimmel goes on. This is the craziest thing in the entire documentary. Kimmel goes on as Jay Leno. That was great. He does Leno for an entire episode. Like, he actually did that. And Kimmel, by the way, was not doing well at the gate. It's like, who's this chubby guy from the man show? Like, no one's watching he Kimmel. He was fat. Oh yeah, he, he had to drop some weight, and, and and then all of a sudden he like that made Kimmel's career. Like wait, like I know they talked about the I'm I'm sleeping with Matt Damon, Sarah Silverman thing, and the viral video was great, but I'm telling you, I never forgot when that guy did Leno. My God, like, this guy's pretty funny. He just did Jay Leno for an episode, then goes in the Tonight Show, and they're not addressing the fact that he dressed up as Jay Leno and exactly what's going on. So now Kimmel took shots at Jay. I'm like, oh my God, Leno's getting killed. The only person – oh, by the way, Letterman was killing Jay. I mean, he's making fun of his – this is the whole thing Jay does. <laughs> the, the, the only person, which is so fascinating because Letterman and Jay were really good buddies back in the day when Jay used to go on yeah. late night and now they, of course, did not like each other. The only person I remember at the time that defended Leno, Jerry Seinfeld. Seinfeld's very close with Leno. And he goes, you know what? Everyone's like, got oh, poor Conan. Hey, dude a better job your show wasn't yeah. doing well the ratings weren't good they wanted to put jay back there tough luck that's the business
1: you honestly just made me realize during that when you pointed out you're like yeah they didn't really touch on this but his ratings weren't good like that's like he kind of he ended up winning because the whole nation was behind him and f- felt bad for what happened to him so you could almost say like that helped you That's say that that because that, who knows if the ratings would have improved yeah like in, in fairness to conan it takes time
0: to develop and find your voice i get that but it's a sink or swim place, and if you're gonna lose Leno, because then Jay could have just gone to ABC, or Jay could have gone to Fox, and they didn't want to lose him. It's like, sorry, dude, you're not you're not delivering the way we wanted you to deliver. We gotta keep Jay. And guess what happened, by the way? Conan left, and the ratings were back. Jay went right. back to the Tonight Show, started beating Letterman, started beating Kimmel. I'm like, okay. And Conan never really heard from again. Like, what was it? Goes to TBS, a lot of creative freedom, got a ton of money, but no one's watching the show there. They tried yeah. to sell like, oh, it's 11:05. Now I think he's on once a week. I don't even know. Once a month. I don't even know when Conan's on. All right, let's do a little bit of uh, entertainment news, and then we're going to call it a day. The news stories... Okay, how about this one about Miles Teller? Speaking out after reports that he was assaulted. Again, love Miles Teller. Uh, Courtesy follow on Twitter. I I don't think he knows who I am, but he follows me on Twitter. Wow. great great guy.
1: Love a courtesy follow. Uh,
0: The big thing we have in common, big Eagles fans. I think the Eagles fans does help. Um... 34 year old actor shared details of the alleged incident. I got jumped by two guys in a bathroom. Never met them before in my life. Teller's wife, Kaylee Teller, also took to Instagram to address the altercation, denying that it was over an unpaid bill. The story reported about Miles being punched in the face by TMZ over money is completely false. Miles was jumped by two men we have never met after they trapped him in a bathroom. It seems these same men have done this to many people. We appreciate your support, Maui. <laughs> Were they bathroom
1: jumpers, these guys? <laughs> I mean, wasn't he there with Aaron Rodgers? I doubt those two, like, skipped out on a bill. Like, that just doesn't seem like it would happen. The man assaulted
0: the actor allegedly was a wedding planner, accused teller of owing him $60,000 for services he performed for his 2019 wedding.
1: (laughs) Tracked him down in Hawaii.
0: And the couple was on vacation in Hawaii with Aaron Rodgers and Shailene Woodley were posting about their tropical getaway on their social media. There's so many questions there, Cody. Again, Eagles fan. But he's hanging out with Aaron Rodgers. Okay, that's fine. I get that. Shailene Woodley, cool. We're both actors. But,
1: uh, I mean, bizarre to say the least. I'm more curious, one, who are some other people that follow you that that you're excited about? Like your, your Will main, Arnett's
0: like, my guy. Will Arnett's the best. Fellow Canadian, <laughs> arrested oh. development. He's a huge Leafs fan. I'm going to send him a message. The Leafs lost game seven. It's really Will Arnett and Miles Teller. And, and
1: then my other question is, uh, the last time Adnan was in a fight. Never been in a fight um, I'm with you. I'm the same. See, we're too nice.
0: Yeah. You know, somebody said to me, like, you know, it's like when you were kids, you were bullied. And then I pause and go, You're never bullied, right? I go, No. Never been <laughs> in a fight, never been bullied. I've been lucky in that respect. Lovers, not fighters. I've never Chris Cody. <laughs> A little bit more news for you, A Quiet Place Part Two. We mentioned the box office, 48 million its opening week and expected to make 58 million, very close to last year's $60 million projection. That is huge. I did not mention this. At the start of the movie, John Krasinski tapes like a PSA. He comes on after the trailers for the new Top Gun and whatever other movies are coming out. And he goes, hey, everybody, it's John Krasinski. Thanks so much for supporting my film A Quiet Place. Thanks for coming after the movies. You know that movies are so important to me. It's a part of our culture, our society. So thank you so much for making the effort. Please wear your mask. Please be responsible and enjoy my film. And I'm like, all right. Like, he's he's genuinely grateful people are coming to see his movie. I thought it was a nice touch.
1: I don't know what I think about that. I'll let you know. Maybe next week I'll let you know what I think about that.
0: What would, what would be your potential issue with that be? I thought it was a nice gesture. I don't
1: know. I just, I'm like, I'm just, I, uh, I, I would need to see the video and see his tone. <laughs> like, is he, is, he, is he looking down at me here? Is he just No, like, no, no. He seemed
0: genuine and sincere. All right. You know what? But,
1: I've, I've formed my opinion. I'm cool with it.
0: That's <laughs> it. By all means, if you want to trash him, I totally get it. Joker 2 will reportedly see Todd Phillips, who directed and co-wrote the original Joker where he returned to co-write the sequel. First film starred Joaquin Phoenix. Um for the classic Hollywood spin on the villain's origin story. The reason I did not like the film, as this article makes clear, clear homages to films like Taxi Driver. I'm like, homages? They ripped the movie off. Never I mean, what I'm watching the movie going, "What? I would you rather just watch Taxi Driver and King of Comedy. I mean, they asked Scorsese about it. They're like, hey, have you seen Joker? Like, did you know, like, he's basically ripping off Taxi Driver? And Scorsese's response was, I get it, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Like, this guy made a billion dollars off one of my best movies from 1976 and just basically remade it and just put Joaquin Phoenix in it instead of De Niro. Like, okay, fine. Like, whatever. I get it. Do what you got to do. But that's why I did not care for the film. So my question is this. What film, Todd Phillips, are you ripping off for the sequel? Since Taxi Driver and King of Comedy is what you ripped off the first time, I'm curious what you're ripping off this time around for this next Joker installment. He's Mm going to pen the script. I don't know if Joaquin Phoenix is even involved. In fact, he won an Oscar is ridiculous, but uh, I'm sure there's lots of Joker fans out there.
1: Would Joaquin Phoenix hosting the Oscars save the Oscars?
0: I think it's intriguing for about two minutes. Yeah. And then he'd go. <laughs> and then, and then it's like, go, Okay, enough. Yeah, he's just bland and doesn't say much. He's not very conversational. Talking so no the earth. He's talking about not funny. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. I don't eat, here's why I don't eat chickens. I'm like, okay, I don't know what this is about. <laughs> okay, fine. Back to Miles Teller, because this is good news for him, and this is a big upgrade. Army Hammer is supposed to be the Paramount Plus limited series, The Offer, which chronicles the making of The Godfather. Teller's going to play The Godfather producer, Al Ruddy. The series is told from his point of view as he assembles the pieces of Paramount's 1972 mob classic. Director Francis Ford Coppola stars Marlon Brando, Al Pacino. I cannot wait to see this cast. Who's playing Brando? Who's playing Pacino? We do know Miles Teller will play the producer. Ruddy was not involved in the sequel. He would win a second Best Picture Oscar three decades later for Million Dollar Baby. Any direction you want to go, Cody, just the fact the filming of The Godfather, Miles Teller, or what the hell's happened to Army Hammer. This guy was supposed to be in a great project, and now because he's a cannibal and he beats women, he's not going to have a career anymore.
1: Well, I was just about to say why why is this happening to him, but that about explains it. Yeah,
0: if you check his social media, it's just a disaster. Oh, it's one thing to have like a bad breakup, but the amount of women who said he basically you know hurt them, and he was messaging a lot about cannibalism. I mean, it's just uh, of all the things you're expecting in 2021, expect the unexpected. I did not think at one point I'd go in my inbox and see Army Hammer Cannibal. <laughs> Seriously. And uh, I think that's a good place to stop. We were gonna do one other segment. You know, we're gonna save it till next time. We'll tease it. We'll tease yeah. ahead. We're gonna, we are going to. We have a segment which is gonna be called Great Actor or Great Role. Oh. It's something new that Cody and I are gonna oh. unveil, so.
1: I am amazed that you did not wanna talk about, cause I said this is how we do this around here, our workflow a little bit. I sent Adnan a bunch of uh, you know entertainment news and he picks the ones he wants to talk about. You did not wanna talk about a potential conversion of Jurassic Park and Fast and the Furious. It's okay. I understand. I mean, that movie sounds amazing, Adnan. Adnan? Uh, I, have less,
0: I have less than no interest. I mean, <laughs> Jurassic Park or Jurassic World, whichever one the hell it is now, I'm like, okay, fine. Uh, we'll, we'll do it now. We'll do a quick But You're right, Cody. Our audience. Universal doesn't boast the same in-depth roster of marketable franchises, yada, yada, yada. Justin Lin may be drawing the Fast Saga to a close the 10th and 11th installments. Shoot me. There's two more, the Fast Saga. Then we got Jurassic World Dominion. And then... Uh, they're heading into outer space in F9, and then they're talking about maybe a over here, dinosaurs and Fast and the Furious. I, hey, I just like wait,
1: the, I just like this as a game to play. Let's pick two movie franchises and put them together and see what that would look like. That's I'm not actually sitting here saying that this movie would be great, but it's just a ridiculous movie, and I like the idea of like you picking two movies and like randomly combining them and seeing what that would look like.
0: Uh, okay, I'll go with The Godfather and Batman.
1: There you go. <laughs> That's how you play the game, man That's yeah. ri- what a ridiculous movie that would
0: be. Yeah. Exactly, but I want to see Al Pacino as Bruce Wayne. I <laughs> there think that'd be you it. go.
1: Before we get out of here, make sure you did, you... did you subscribe yet? Did you unsubscribe? Did you resubscribe? Yeah, I'm looking at you. Yeah, hey, do it. Come on, support us.
0: Support us now here in Cinephile. Thanks to Chris Cody. Thanks to the entire crew. Our first episode here under the Metal Arc banner. We've got lots more great episodes coming up, so please do support us, and I'll see you at the movies.